Hello and welcome back to the LIBF Financial Advisor podcast. On this episode, we have John and David talking to Martin Clark from Landmark IFA, talking about the recent summer economic plan, later life planning and much more. Enjoy. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Podfathers podcast from the London Institute of Banking and Finance. My name is John Somerville. I'm the Head of Regulatory Relationships here at uh, the LIBF. And joining me today, first and foremost, my, my usual partner in crime, David Owen from Lifetime Connect. So David, more uh, afternoon, it's afternoon now. So afternoon to you, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you, John. Very well, other than, you know, I've um, very much like fund managers, the weather, the weather forecasters are forecasting a bright future, but Derbyshire isn't a green currently. So um, yeah, I'm very much <laughs> locked down at the moment, but my exercise, my exercise at the moment is, is in the garage. Uh, and with a dog that's refusing to go out and be walked. So I'm quite worried about the bone density. Uh, that's, that's my big thing at the moment. Does that mean the dog, has, the dog has decided it's been walked far too much during lockdown and it's just had enough? Is that what it is? That... Funnily enough, funnily enough, I know they're supposed to be financial services, but the, and I'm sure dogs have become a very prevalent part now in any financial planner's lifestyle. The office dogs now, it must be massive. There must be some survey on this. Uh, I'm sure somebody like, yeah, oh, anyway. So, yeah, so the, um, my dog, Hungarian Wiesler, he's 10. And my wife said, do you realise, we used to take him three walks a day, but they were never this far. And I, I do think he's knackered, but also he doesn't like, he doesn't like the rain. And if he sees the rain, he refuses to go out. We have to put a coat on him, a dog coat. And then he'll, he'll only consider going out then if he's got the dog coat on. And that, that's with great reticence. <laughs> Good, great. You do realise, of course, it is St. Swithin's Day, so potentially you might not go out for the next 40 days and 40 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the Bishop of Worcester, apparently. My wife would give me a history lesson about it over breakfast this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, without further ado, we'll introduce our guest uh, of honour today is, uh, is Martin Clark. Martin, um, through a, a varied history of, um, of financial services, and has probably been in, the, in it as long as I have, um, uh, currently works alongside uh, a, an IFA called Landmark and um, works on their supervision and compliance over on that side, but is also a contractor to the industry on many different uh, things. Good afternoon to you, Martin. How are you today? That's the shortest explanation of what I do that I've ever heard, John. Well done. <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. You used the phrase partners in crime as well. This sounds like the introduction to a police interview video, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's all agree who's in the room. <laughs> I was thinking that plant looks a bit suspicious behind you, Martin. <laughs> Luckily nobody can see it. You're supposed to have a living plant in your room, aren't you, to prove that you can look after things, you know. And uh, but it, I know it looks dead, but it's very much alive, that plant. <laughs> <laughs> as we all have, I've got, I've got plants over in this direction as well. I think we've all managed to do that. Yeah, isn't it weird? You've got the, both Martin and I have neglected to put bookcases behind us. Um, and Mr. Owen has a, has a varied um, collection behind him. Um, but no, I, I, I didn't subscribe to that. But plants, yes, I can. But is, is it keeping, are you keeping it watered or is it something we're just reminding you of now, Martin? 
Oh, no, it's very much alive, that plant. That's about 15 years old, that plant. Wow. So it's, uh, it's very much alive. And, uh, and as for the bookcase, I've, I've lived a life of Zoom meetings in the last few months, and I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's read their books. <laughs> yeah i have honestly i have honestly i was just thinking it's a great shame that plant isn't 17 years old and you call it rdr <laughs> <laughs> if it was rdr it'd be dead <laughs> <laughs> or, or a lot of it wouldn't have worked anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, before Martin gets himself into any more trouble, make sure that the rest of the industry doesn't work with it. We'll move on to the next stage, which is actually we've got three um, uh, very topical subjects to talk about today. So we're going to start with um, uh, very shortly with the summer economic plan that was announced by uh, our learned uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak. So um, lots to talk about there. Uh, then we're going to move into um, a little bit of discussion around inheritance tax and later life planning and how that's being affected currently by um, things changing around us. And then as we talk about things changing around us, um, we, we, we really want to talk about what it is like to go back to work. So we've, a lot of people have been talking over the last few months about the new normal, what that looks like, things are going to change. But actually, we're now starting to experience that. And we, we were debating the other day, really, is it really changing? What has changed or are people just wanting to go back to what it was before? So it'd be interesting to sort of have a quick chat about that. But we'll go back first of all to the summer economic plan. Um, and uh, well, Martin, you had some real interesting thoughts on this at the start of, of the week, actually. We had a chat at the start of the week before we uh, put this podcast together. And um, yeah, you, you were quite keen on expressing what you thought about actually he's plugging some of those economic gaps that are appearing. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because, like all of these, I think like all of these budgets and some statements, you listen to them initially, and the first reaction is, "Where on earth is that money going to come from?" And you know, so uh, you know, I said I've got an eighteen-year-old son, and I was giving him a good uh, economics lesson on how his kids are still going to be paying it back, possibly. <laughs> so uh, you know, but it, when you look at it actually and break it down, um, it's actually been quite clever because there's a couple of bits in there that do plug the gaps that are going to start to appear. So as we sort of, uh, you know, a lot of people say that the economy is spiralling towards recession and, and things of that kind. You know, if you look at past times where, where we've struggled as a country, you know, I think I made the point to you, John, the other day when we were chatting and said that, you know, when you look at past recessions, certain businesses thrive in those mm -hmm. sort of situations. You know, regretfully, as we said, one of them is the pub industry normally because, uh, you know, people tend to go and have a drink more when they're struggling, you know, <laughs> lose the troubles of the day, you know, and go and have a drink. Well, COVID has made sure that they couldn't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so where the pub industry would normally thrive, for example, in times like this, it hasn't. So, you know, <laughs> what has it done is introduced, you know, the eat out to help out thing where you can go to the pub or the restaurant, you know, you can have a discount on your meal. You know, it's cutting fat on, on things like hot food when you're out. and So there's, you know, there's a lot of things that have actually, you look at it and say, do you know, to be fair, yeah, it's actually quite clever. I'm not saying everyone's going to agree with it because it's a budget. You know, it's not going to suit all the people all the time. That's a, but there are a couple of clever things in there when we look at what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah, well, certainly it's there to support <laughs> very much so the housing market. Dave, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, when you look at, um, first of all, the, 
start end of actually buying a property and then at the end of it you've got these green proposals that allow people enable people to reduce their bills and greenhouse gases and all the rest of it it's quite a lot going on there really isn't there so yeah what were your thoughts on the on the cut when it came to um stamp duty and that sort of thing it, i can i can only um really repeat what i'm hearing from the the mortgage side of our business john and and they it was really I mean, just going back, what Martin just said actually interested me, which which is about you know the parts of the industry that weren't affected and stuff like that. And we, when we all went into this, there might have been, you know, let's say across the profession, we might say there might have been a bit of over reliance on furlough because we weren't sure what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you're hearing about estate agents and mortgage advisors that are doing you know new mortgages and new build advice, are pulling people off furlough very very quickly. Mm-hmm. and recruiting because they can't cope with the amount of inquiries because you know a saving of you know fifty thousand pound is huge isn't it? you know it, it's mm-hmm. just huge so, I mean, for, to, to kick start the mortgage because that was the worry of course we were we were seeing um all the remortgage activity and product product transfer stuff going on being bought forward and mortgage lenders saying well if, if let's say your deal is up in October, you can bring it forward to now and, and do it now. And if a better deal happens in the meantime, or in the future, we'll switch you to that. So, you know, just get it done. So people were taking that opportunity. So the mortgage advisors were busy. You know, we've done as many mortgages as we, we ever do and probably more uh, as a group. But now we've got this on top. So um, it, it's really busy. The thing is that, um, when we chatted the other day, you mentioned the fact that raising the finance, of course, because we're, we're in a situation now where people are in demand for mortgages, but with a way of raising finance, which is far more controlled than before, mm. you know, in the, the world of mezzanine loans and all that sort of stuff. So um, that, that's a, that's it, it, I'm, so I'm told at the moment a mortgage advisor's lot isn't an easy one. I know it isn't easy anyway, but mm. when most of your day is spent trying to place money, mm. Um, and it's a nice problem to have, but mm. also just I think it underlines the the value of having a good mortgage broker on your side because, you know, I don't think it's very easy at the moment just popping along to the bank and asking for a few quid. No, I agree. I mean, there, there's some definite challenges. I mean, I've, today I've been reading a couple of articles that we that was come out this week. One is Nationwide are now going to lend uh, 90% loan to values for first-time buyers from uh, later on in the month, which is tremendous news for that market and i'm sure many lenders will follow suit but interestingly natwest have announced that they're going to be retracting some of their deals simply because they they need to get their service levels back on track because exactly what you're saying the demand at the moment is is just gone through the roof and another report this morning about the most number of mortgage searches by mortgage brokers since um in fact since the start of the year let alone pre-covid levels so we are seeing now huge amount of interest in the the housing market. So it has made an absolutely enormous difference. Um, The other thing we've seen is the job retention bonus, encouraging firms to to retain furloughed staff. Um, And as you say, I mean, you know, economically, it's not, you know, as the Chancellor's quite rightly said, you can't save every job, not possible. Can't save every business, not possible. Um, But this encouragement um, has been seen a little cynically, hasn't it, about bringing people back to work and paying them a thousand pounds, especially if they were always going to take these people back anyway, which seems a bit, you know, counterproductive, which is was was a little bit of a shame. Um, And then obviously the six month VAT 
uh, cuts for restaurants, hotels and attractions. So based on that, have you all booked your uh, eat out to help out restaurant places at all? Or are you, are you intending to take a, a little bit of advantage of that? People can't see the video, obviously, with Martin, with his expensive office and, and, and very rare plant. But I don't think Martin's the sort of person who's going to be limited to a £10 cashback. <laughs> don't let the grey hair distract you from the fact that I'm actually poor. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I said, when you bring some, you discussed a thousand job retention bonus, John. You know, as you said, that, that has been sort of uh, grabbed with a lot of cynicism, that side mm -hmm. of it. I, I think the, the thing with that is, um, you know, you've got to think about, you know, I looked at it and said, how much is it actually going to cost the, the business if they want to get the thousand pounds? Are they paying more than that? to actually get the person back anyway. So it depends how much someone's being paid, doesn't it, a month? Yeah. As to, as to whether it's an incentive or not. And as you said, really, I think that is a bit of a mute point, really, about the, about the budget, because the idea was, as you said, is that they keep them anyway. And, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, that's an interesting one there. It really is. But mm. certainly the actual the, the part of that budget that, that struck me was the, the kickstart scheme for employers' costs. For, you know, actually trying to get some new jobs out there, the work placements, that sort of thing. Once again, you know, it's plugging a gap that's happened in previous times uh, in situations like this. So there's a lot of forward thinking uh, going on with this one. To be fair. I have to say, the kickstart plan for me, when you put that alongside apprenticeships and all the other stuff that goes in that direction. I mean, it did initially when I saw it, the first announcement, I thought the original, I mean, well, unfortunately, not everybody on this listening to this may be of our age and ilk, but we will remember the uh, YCS schemes of, um, of the 80s uh, that were put in place to get, get youth back into work, you know, at a, you know, with a reasonable amount of money in their pockets to do the job and to learn a trade. And this is something that can be used for that. But it's not just about learning a trade anymore, is it? It's, well, it is, I suppose, in some respects, but a trade where traditionally it was manufacturing and that sort of thing. Now it's retail, it's services, it's financial services and mortgage advice, um, you know, can be utilised in that arena as well. So, you know, certainly encourage people to look into that if they're thinking about bringing them into their businesses. Now's the time to do it, isn't it? Well, certainly from our industry's point of view, the financial advice point of view, never has there been a time more important to take financial advice. Uh, at the moment, you know, when people's investments have fluctuated in value, you know, a really important time where people have been at home, they've been saving, haven't they? So, you know, inflows have gone into deposit accounts over the last three months, that sort of thing. So very, very important time to take financial advice. But never has there been a time where we've had less advisors than we have at the moment. You know, as an industry, you know, we've lost thousands since RDR. So uh, it will be interesting to see how many people are, are starting to approach your sort of business, John, and saying, look, you know, what, what exams do I need? What experience do I need to actually get onto it, to get into this? Because mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of clients um, that are searching for advice that can't find it at the moment. Uh -huh. So, you know, you look 10, 15 years in the future, you know, we are, we've got a gap in the financial advice industry of, uh, of age every meeting i go to they all look like me they're all mid 50, uh, early 50s and gray you know so uh, you know we, we, we do need a, a dramatic influx of younger people and, and this could be the start can i just say early 50s and gray count yourself as a, in a group of one there obviously dave and i are, are 
looking very dashing with our, our very sort of, yeah, exactly. Not quite so. Right there. It's a bit of grey in the beard there, Dave. Yeah, grey in the beard. That used to be ginger. I'm a closet <laughs> ginger. It's gone grey now. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I guess you echo that, Dave, as far as uh, shortage of visors is concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, I might be skipping ahead now, it's just listening to Martin, but I think it's that chance at the moment for the profession to take a deep breath mm. and to think about how it structures itself going forward to give advice. So, you know, so let, let, let's go back to the 80s. Um, lots of advisors arguably were dyslexic, who were good at talking, you know, that Venn diagram, I saw somebody do the other day, which I don't know if you saw it, it was brilliant, which was um, if one bubble says people and the other one says drinking, uh, you're likely to be a make a good salesperson. And if it was people and solving problems on a Venn diagram, you'd be in management. And it, it's great. And there was one that was like, didn't overlap with anything. And it was like standing in a corner, you were an actuary. And it was like that. And, and, and I just thought this is I'm good at maths. But anyway, but it's, it's really good. And I, I was looking at it thinking there were a lot of people who were great communicators who came into it, but weren't very good at, at, at written skills. Um, largely good at maths. You know, I say good talkers, good thinkers. Uh, and, you know, those that succeeded have gone on to be very, very successful. I don't think the profession going forwards is is that sort of person you know when you get qualified to quite a high level up front to be able to give advice but of course the, you know people are saying oh there's these there's these advice these client banks and these people are going to retire and you can take over the client banks data i'm not sure that those people need to perhaps they'll take you know the 20 percent that earn them 80 percent of the value and and, and they'll you know they'll part-time retire but who looks after the rest and i think there's an opportunity for firms to get hold of very compliant effective not para planners but almost para planner stroke advisors who can do high volumes of good technical work and look after clients give them the right outcomes but not be rewarded in the same way as somebody who's 55 who's done the apprenticeship of 30 years would expect to be expect to be rewarded mm. and i think there's that potential then you know because the big thing at the moment is somebody who's 55 isn't going to do a £50,000 pension transfer, probably to help somebody, for example. No. And, and, but, you know, because they go, isn't the economic for me to do it? But perhaps a different model would be. And I, I don't know if that's the right solution, but I think we've got to rethink it. Mm. Well, what I would say is, you know, we, we, are, we have been and, and continue and we're developing um, new relationships with, with people who are developing academies. Um, and there's a lot of them are either in place or moving to, you know, towards an academy structure. And I have to say, I've been lucky enough to be presented a few of these academies myself and talk to them about our qualifications and how they work uh, and, you know, what the sport is and that sort of thing. And I have to say the difference in the young people coming through is extraordinary. Very, um, you know, they're, they're, they're young, very, very keen, very professional, looking at customer outcomes as their number one priority. You know, in, in you know, at the end of the day, everybody had different priorities and the industry was you know very much well known for you know looking at the right levels of income shall we say for you know for, for each transaction and it, and, it, and we have been up until now very transactional as an industry mm. going forward now it is about outcomes which drives the right kind of rewards for everybody not just the advisor or bias towards one person or another and it's this new generation that i've seen 
coming through, which gives me a lot of confidence that we're bringing those people on. But there is still a massive gap, as you both said. It is just phenomenal that um, you know we're in this position where we could do so much more. And something like the Kickstarter scheme is, is highlighting not just for financial services, but all industries, there is a need for those young people. If, if people are brave enough to say, you know something, the economic outlook is good in this country. We can do something about it. Well, you know, we, we've had a bit of a bit of a kick. There's no doubt about it. You know, if anybody was going to destroy an economy, you know, here you go. This, this is how, here's the blueprint to destroy somebody's economy. And then, you know, obviously it's how you come out of it is the, uh, is the key to it you know so and we'll certainly be prepared i think that's the other thing as much as everybody's worried about second spike i think we're so much better prepared going into it again anyway you know it's inevitable there'll be some sort of spike whatever whichever way you look at it isolated or, or whatever but you know something i think we're up for it now i think we've kind of got a game plan that we can work with and that's great news to see so um but thinking about that advice uh, you know, we're talking about advice gap and never, you know, Martin's words about never more important to see a financial advisor. I couldn't agree more at the moment. And certainly we're, going to, uh, we're now going to move on to inherited tax and later life planning, you know, and, and really, you know, I suppose it sort of encompasses, you know, the, the big part of most people's client banks where you're looking at those people who are either coming up to retirement, in retirement or post-retirement and, and you know what challenges they expect experiencing that probably changed from the start of the year um you you both work closely with advisors around you what what what, what kind of clients are they seeing at the moment what sort of, what sort of things are changing for your for your clients at the moment i would say certainly from ours um we we concentrated on i think the industry has concentrated very much on pension accumulation and, uh, you know, as you said, we've had a lot of what well, there has been in the industry, a lot of DB transfer work, which strangely enough, I was just reading an article on that, which we obviously won't go into today. But, uh, no. you know, the, uh, the, the letter that came out about sort of, you know, the, the, the ban on contingent charging and, and things of that kind. So look, there's, there's a lot of pension pots there at the moment. Um, interestingly enough, you know, I think we're going to start to move into the deaccumulation side of things. You know, where we're, we're certainly you know starting to look at the drawdown side, and you, you know that's that's a big change for a lot of advisors uh, in the market. You know, certainly from Landmark's perspective, that we we do a lot of work on that side of things. That's a big change for a lot of advisors. You know, and the rules around it are very complex. You know, they, they really are. You know, there's, I think with those sort of things, every day is a school day. So you're, you're going to get a lot of people that, um, you know, and, and this, is, this is where I have the concern that, um, that people will move, will move into a time as an industry where we count people out of taking advice. And, and you know, we'll, we'll scare them from taking advice through things like contingent charging and, and, and things of that kind. Um, because the rules are very complex. So, you know, we are starting to move into that sort of side where we're, we're looking at a drawdown for people, you know, making sure they're taking it in the most tax efficient way. I think, you know, that's probably one of the most important times in life to take advice. Certainly when I deliver seminars, things of that time, I say, you know, whatever you, if you've never taken advice before, when you're about to start drawing from pensions, that's a very good time to sit down in front of an advisor and, and find out what's the best way for you to take your income. Because if you get it wrong, you know, pensions, I always say, like toothpaste in a tube, John. You know, once you squeeze the toothpaste out, you can't get it back in, can you? you know, no. <laughs> pensions are pretty similar, aren't they? You know, it's a yeah. great phrase. It's a so, great phrase. Yes, I agree. 
So it's, you, you know, it's a, it's a really important time to take advice. You know, if, if you're talking about things like inheritance tax and whatever, as you'll know, you know, the rules haven't changed on that for quite some years now, you know, mm -hmm. since they, you know, since they, they bought in a residence nil rate ban to, to try and sort of get to that half a million nil rate band overall that, that they wanted to. Uh, once again, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they move in times of trying to generate more revenue uh, to fill that that sort of uh, that huge bucket that we're creating of a, of a tax gap at the moment. So uh, what about yourself, Dave? Are you seeing anything different? Yeah, so we've, we've, we've gone through. So um, how our business is structured, you see, we've got mortgage advisors, um, mortgage and protection advisors, protection advisors, and then what we call wealth advisors, you know, which is protection investments and all this. And when you think about it, they're all financial planners with a different level, different level of licensing. And that's part of the job, isn't it? Trying to get people to realize no matter how successful they are, you're a financial planner. And, and, and some of them are very effective at it and others not so, just like anywhere, I suppose. But where, where they've been dealing with, obviously you've got the, the mortgage people are doing what they're doing as I've just, just described protection very very busy because the pandemic what i always find funny the life offices are really good at creating these tools online which uh, um calculates your chance of dying mm. and you always do it and you go we're all over tosh and, and and i think and it's a bit like um channel four netflix no sorry netflix have got a film on from channel four called brexit don't watch it for the brexit but it's uh, Boris's mate who likes visiting Northumberland. It's all about him. And um, he's, he's, the guy's mind is brilliant. So Dominic Cummings, you know, is an expert in behavioral science and game theory. And, and quite rightly what he put is when you try and put an argument to somebody in e economic sense with numbers to people, it, it's la, 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 fingers in the ear. Whereas if you hit them with fear, lost aversion, then people make a move. And it's interesting. So the life offices for years, we've always been going to say mortgage to life rates, 25%. As long as we can remember banging heads against the wall, how can we improve this? Get a BDM in from a life office. It'll go, oh, somebody's risk, somebody's 25, their risk of dying is 1.3% for a critical illness is this and da, 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 da. And, and so people go along with sales aids to clients and they go, I'll take that risk to our mates. I'd rather spend the money on Netflix. So, and I think, and I think, however, with the pandemic, people have now realized that, tail risk things happen the things that things that we never thought would happen have happened so now we've got a global pandemic and got everything that comes out of that so all of a sudden the, the uh we, we've got one one protection advisor who's been making 20 calls a day to clients and, and these are advice calls so that they are writing levels of protection that they've never have done before with with you know people you, there's no what was that phrase we we call it consequences now we, we we once called it disturbance which obviously we can't do but the the so consequences questions without having to really ask consequences questions people now realize the implication of it all so they want to protect the debt you know they want to protect the debt or let's say eliminate the debt eliminate the risk of leaving debt and etc etc and protecting the family so we've got that financial planning point of view it's uh stopping people doing daft things with the money mm. Uh, you know, so for example, I mean, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put everything in cash. You know, we, we've, we've had a lot of that. Uh, on the other side, we've got a lot of people, the more educated people, um, where we've got offices in the city, for example, 
um, lot of investment business because people saw the opportunity. They, they remember what happened in 2008 and, mm. and 2010 and, and got in there. So we've got a bit of that. We don't do so much inherited tax business. We should do a lot more. But interestingly enough, we, we own a solicitors firm, SRA regulated, and we did a seminar for clients. The great thing about Zoom is we did a Zoom seminar um, which we advertised to clients and said, just click on this link. We'll have a solicitor on there and they'll tell you about the importance of wills, trusts and LPAs. So without putting an advisor in the way, all of a sudden these clients now want to get the wills, LPAs and trusts sorted out. Mm. You know I mean? So when you educate them, these are the implications. You might have a will already, but this is what could happen. You haven't got a will, this is what could happen. You know, all that sort of stuff. And people go, this is really sensible. I think once again, bought by the pandemic, um, but you know, it, there's, there's a really high level of engagement there. We're in the pension transfer market. I think the interesting thing uh, for me, so I'll stop talking in a second. But is 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 the is the is the way in which we charge fees? That we've got a fee we've got a fee charging model that works in accumulation. It doesn't work in deaccumulation. And uh, as we know, Martin, deaccumulation is it's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work. I want, I want to access my pension to take some cash out, regulated process, you know, quite rightly. Um, I need some advice on, you know, how to structure my income in retirement. Big job, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. And now, now the regulator is, you know, spot on saying cash flow is super important, cash flow modelling. Now we've got almost another chartered qualification that advisors have to take, which is how to be able to do cash flow modelling properly mm. and understand it. So I think... You know, it's yeah, uh, and all, all that's happening. You know, all that's going on at the moment, which is which is good. Um, you could argue you need more people to do it, but I think you know, th there's no advisors who are sitting bored at the moment. No, I, I have to say, you know, having spoken to many of our, our clients and uh, and many people around the industry, um, which I'm fortunate enough to do in my role, um, everybody who, all the firms that had to furlough people, um, I brought them back. Be, uh, and not just brought them back, brought them back earlier than they thought, and are actually now having to consider taking people on. It's just gone completely the other way in financial services, which very, very encouraging um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think people have woken up to the fact that um, there's never a good, as good a time as now to get this stuff sorted out, and actually they could have left it too late and realised that they could have left it too late through the pandemic, to a certain, if, if you know what I mean, because right in the middle of the pandemic, if things had gone wrong, there was there, people were feeling helpless, couldn't do anything about it. Who could they contact? What could they do? So now I think there's a lot of people who've committed to saying, I am going to sort this out now, which is great news, but has put a lot of pressure on the industry. Um, and yeah, so, you know, so it's not just about bringing people back. It's, it, it's bringing them back and then thinking, yeah, I'm going to need to recruit and do something this further so you know it's great to hear so now that we're sort of crossing over to that threshold of you know what back to work actually looks like for an advisor we we, we touched on this recently um you know and in fact in a lot of our podcasts day we've, we've talked about you know what this new normal looks like a, a phrase i'm not fond of but certainly a um you know because things will evolve there's no doubt we're going to have a, we're going to have changes but is it all change is the question. So those people that are coming back now and they're seeing their clients again and appreciate that we are having to socially distance and what have you, but the reality of it, what do you think, Martin, yourself, first of all, um, you know, you, you've, you've got a bunch of guys that work around uh, in Landmark. They are, 
you know, they're seeing clients again left, right and centre, but what has really physically changed? Well, I think the thing that's changed is, um, you know, the, the pandemic's done a lot of things. You know, for just quickly referring to what David was just talking about, if it's made people take out more insurance and it's made advisors advise on more insurance, that's a brilliant thing because I think mm. that's something that as an industry, we've always been, you know, every business, large company that I've worked for in the past, that's always been the thing that you've looked at and said, we really should do more of that. Okay, so, you know, if it's done that, that's, that's a great thing. You're, you're protecting more clients, you're giving clients better advice, that's a great thing. What I think uh, the pandemic has done in this particular stage is it's, it's forced us to think about doing business in different ways. So, you know, before, people would always jump in their car, drive 50 miles, 75 miles to see a client, you know, and that sort of thing, where a lot of them have, have got hold of the technology now. You know, a, a lot of them have got Zoom and whatever, that sort of thing. You know, um, certainly this situation, uh, I think, uh, you know, the first thing it has done is it's made people understand the importance of talking to their clients more. So, you know, when you've got a situation like this, what's the first thing you need to do? You need to get on the phone and have a chat with your clients because investments would have dropped, you know, and, and that's what they need, the reassurance of, of someone that's, you know, people that have been about for a long while. Uh, will it change the world? Um, I think it will change how we work to a certain extent, but not completely. And I don't think it should change completely. I, I sort of, you know, I gave the example when we was chatting the other day of how, um, you know, my team is uh, predominantly younger than me. You know, they're, uh, I've, I've got the young team. So mine are late 20s to early 30s, most of my team. And I've got a couple that, that are sort of early 50s, if you like. I think we have one advisor at Landmark that's early 70s. Okay, that, that, that just does not want to give up work, you know. And strangely enough, I think the chap that's early 70s, he's, uh, he's the one that said, uh, this is brilliant. I can grab technology. I haven't got to get in my car, you know. And his clients are about his sort of age and they're zooming like it's going out of fashion, you know. Um, so it, what it's done, I think, is um, it's added a, bit, added a bit of efficiency uh, to the business, you know, because we can use this sort of technology. But I think we need to always be aware that it's not going to suit everybody, you know. So as I said, we, we had a client um, that uh, not not very old actually, lady, and, and we said sort of, you know, we were talking about whether we could do Zoom meetings with her and things of that kind. And she said, by all means, do Zoom meetings. She said, but nothing will replace that moment when you, you know, I ask you a question. You know, I'm worried about my money, and you can actually touch my arm and say, don't worry. You, you know, it's, you said you, you will never replace that feeling of actually being with the person in the room. And, and there's, there's those sort of things, you know. So I think it's always going to be horses for courses. Some clients will want to do the technology side, some clients won't. So, but, you know, it will, uh, yeah, it will change some things without a doubt. Can I have a cup of tea that your, your wife just brought in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, she, she, she's a wonderful woman. She's the only person who can make tea that is the temperature of the sun. <laughs> I'll finish this at eight o'clock tonight. <laughs> but from a business perspective, John, um, we, we're still writing new business at exactly the same rate as we was before. Because as David said, there's a lot of clients that have seen the opportunity of a fluctuating market, you know, and for those people that were, that were heavy in cash before, it's a great time. You know, for those people who are invested, it's not a great time to come out. So, you, you mm. know, it's a, uh, but 
you know, we're, we're not fund managers. We don't try and be fund managers. Even fund managers don't get it right all the time, do they? Anyway, no. so, uh, <laughs> so it, it's just about educating clients and, uh, and and stop, you know, not letting people panic. Fantastic. Well, I, I have to say, and what I what I really picked out of that more than anything else that I've not heard anybody say before which is you've got to talk more to your clients. So it's not, you know, everybody's saying how they're going to talk to their clients, i.e. they're going to talk through Zoom, they're going to talk through the technology, they're going to talk through whatever. Um, but you're absolutely right. You're going to talk more with your clients or listen to your clients more, I guess, as well. You know, that's the, the key. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and ha actually having that, um, that, that interaction, it's about the conversation itself. And your conversation's got to adapt through the technology. There's no no doubt it's going to be slightly different conversation um you know from what i've seen it's it, the conversation's got to be different and you've got to really be aware of your surroundings that much more than you are when you know you're face to face because um it's not all about bookcases behind your plants behind your or whatever is it it's it's about actually understanding what your client's environment's all about as well and whether they are um are they the same people that you spoke to last time, if that makes sense? Is there something going on and what, what emotional factors are going on which you can't get unless you're face-to-face? -face? And I think there is, as you say quite rightly, Martin, there has to be a place, a time and a place for all these things. David, your guys, what are they finding? Um, we've, you know, it's, it's like, a, I, I love what Martin said about the 70-odd-year-old advisor because that... Yes. You know, you know I've got a 17-year-old... Uh, Techie Sonu, um, Christian Kumar, our, our what do we call executive producer of this, yes. is a man. There's a man who's not short of screens. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm Griff's very very similar, and he he puts people into buckets. You know, basically old people, young people, and if you're old, you're no good with technology. And it's like thanks, mate. And and I think what it is, I, I think it's nothing to do with age with technology. I think it's to do with curiosity. Mm. And, and so you've got these curious seventy year olds who are brilliant with technology. And I think, you know, there's quite often uh, I find the challenge is more about the the behaviour, you know, the behavioural thinking and biases of advisors more than it is clients. And I think so for for, for, the, for the advisors, but what, what they've done, those that adapted really well, which is the vast majority, what they've done is to flush out, you know, what people are thinking at the moment. We've adapted, funnily enough, Martin, it's interesting to see uh, Landmark in Stanford. So what one of our uh, power planning offices is in Stanford, interestingly, enough, and our solicitor's office, which is a fine place to be. So what we do is uh, we've, we've, we send clients prior to their annual advice meeting, and we've been doing this anyway now, just doesn't matter if they're due. We send them this, I hate the word review, but pre-review questionnaire, uh, which just asks people, what are your current thoughts at the moment? How have your objectives changed? Um, what financial transactions have you made that we might not be aware of? Uh, it takes them seven minutes to complete and they send that back. They love filling it in and sending it back so they don't have to sit in front of anybody. You know, they fill it in, send it back, comes back. And then we've, we're using that to cleanse data because quite often, you know, advisors' CRM systems aren't as good as they are. You know, so they've got email addresses that are out of date, they've got the wrong phone numbers. They might have been using the work email, the work phone number. Clients now sitting at home with not the best technology for, for the office, but good for home. So all that sort of stuff. So we've been refreshing all that data. And um, so we 360.net, we use for a CRM. And, and for annual advice meetings, we use uh, Dynamic Planner. 
and we found Dynamic Planner's Elements report on Zoom and or on Teams doing a share screen and dynamically building the advice on there has been absolutely brilliant, you know, so you can pre-do your work, um, you know, for the meeting, for the forward planning meeting, but then you can, you can show the screen which is on your recommendations and move your sliders about based on your conversation, what you need to do going forward. And that's brilliant. You think to, to do that sitting around somebody's dining room table or in your office isn't as easy, actually, sharing an iPad round and all that. But up on the screen and doing it, it it's worked really well. And I say something else we found is, is we've done it with wills and trusts. We'll do it soon with, with other subjects is being able to do um, seminars that cost nothing. You could put a Zoom seminar onto clients. You don't have to book a hotel. You don't have to pay your 30-odd pound day delegate rate and give them curled up sandwiches, you know, and find somewhere that people can get to. They don't get parking. What's the best time? You know, all that sort of stuff. We, we, we had a client who Zoomed in from New York, you know, and, and so you put this thing in and, and they, you only have to get one fee to pay for it, you know, and, and, but it, in fee income, fantastic. So we're even going to make completion calls video now um because you think about it you've you know for example you've you've got your mortgage for example let's say it's a mortgage a remortgage you've, you've done your remortgage uh you get your what what's next so you could do a call to clients going well let me tell you what we do next for you all you can have all the clients that month to zoom in but what we're going to do is give you a, full, a few financial planning tips around your financial plan uh, that we believe you should have so um, some of you might not have wills. Let me just tell you quickly why it's important to have a will. Some of you might not understand the changes to stamp duty. Let's just give you a quick update. You know, rule of thumb is you need a million pound in your pension to give you £40,000 a year income that'll last you for 30 years. And that's before anybody takes any charges. So, so what, what's your retirement looking like? So we've got an opportunity now to prepare rather than repair in the future. So we're going to send you a quick survey round, fill in the survey if you need further advice or speak directly to the advisor and we'll make sure you get the advice that you, you, you deserve, you know. And I think to be able to do that, it's brilliant. You can never do it until we've been forced to do it because of what's happened, you know. It's brilliant. Is it fair to say that, it, you know, it's not going to change the world, but it would be foolish of us not to let it alter it a bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. To, to, to be, you know, that much, you know, we're, we're so much greener, you know, normally by sort of this time of the month, halfway through the month, I'd have probably spent about 250 quid on diesel by now already this month. I, I think I've spent 30 quid, you, you know, so it's things like that, you know, that we can be much greener and much leaner about what we do. And certainly things that when you talk about later life interviews, you know, when we're dealing with a, a complex inheritance tax plan for a family, and you've got to get the son, the daughter as trustees to come in. And so, you know, we can have, we've got them all over the world in one meeting on our screen. And, and we can do it all. It is so much better from that point of view. So it's definitely got its place. You're right, mate, without a shadow of a doubt. It's, it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, the phrase I heard, John, the other day somebody use is the new abnormal. And I think that's the best way <laughs> of describing it, really. <laughs> I'm going to adopt that one because I much prefer that. I have to say that's that's a good one. I've got to say, you know, even for us, I mean, at LRBF, we, we, one of the one of the biggest changes which has gone down an absolute storm is our remote invigilation. So being able to take your exam at home. Um, so now with with use of technology, um, use of the webcams, the invigilator 
watches live but also records you taking your exam you have to use a camera in front of you and your mobile phone behind you to record what you're doing uh, and then you take the exam and the uh, again you it's all well and good saying that and people like it but what are the results well actually what we're seeing is a slight increase in pass marks not because you know they there's they found a way of cheating in the system whatever that's not the case because we know and we can prove it what we're finding is pass marks are going up because people are a little bit more relaxed when they're going into an exam. They are at home. It doesn't suit everybody, like you say, because if you've got kids running around, people working from home, you, you, know, you've, you're, you're, you might be house sharing, you might be in a situation where you've got lots of people around and you need to go to an exam centre, that will still be available for everybody. We're not going to stop that. Um, but we're not also not going to stop remote exams either. So people will be able to take their exams. They can take their exams you know, whichever way is best for them, provided the technology and the bandwidth is, is good enough. Um, but because you haven't got to drive to a test centre, because you haven't got to try and find it in the first place, find parking, that's what prompted me to say this, because you said about, you know, finding parking spaces and all that sort of stuff. Driving the car, I mean, for heaven's sake, you know, I, I've driven miles for exam centres in the past in my, uh, in, in my uh, many exams that we've all taken, you know, you have to go and find these places, it's ridiculous. And then, of course, the nerves kick in you've got you've got no comfort blanket around you really have you you know whereas in the surroundings of your own home i think it calms people down and because of that um we've only seen a very slight increase but it's a slight it's enough to tell us that something's going on that is, people are uh, adapting to the technology quickly but you can now imagine that we can run exams you can have the invigilators sat in scotland and somebody in singapore could be taking one of our exams which they do and this is, you know, whereas at the moment you have to book a hall, you have to book an invigilator, they have to sit in the room with them, you know, and you've got so many sessions and all that sort of stuff. The flexibility and the adaptability of this technology is, you know, where do you stop? It becomes truly international. Um, but then what it does is it makes our world sort of one world again, which is, I think it's fabulous. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the technology has been adapted by the right people in the right way. And it is the new abnormal. The new abnormal. I love that. <laughs> Superb. So I can trademark that now. The LIBF. LIBF's new CPD module on the on the new abnormal. Yeah, new that. abnormal. Fabulous. <laughs> oh god. Well, we're nearly at the end, but I just wanted to ask um, one last question, which we we talked about briefly before we came into this, because it has been um, since last week's announcements uh, by the Chancellor, it's starting to gain a little bit of um, momentum about speculation about what's going to happen in the uh, autumn budget. Um, and CGT was definitely, uh, has been mentioned as far as a study is concerned and that sort of thing. That's, that's certainly coming up at the moment. Um, have you got any thoughts on that? At the moment? You know, what, 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 what we can expect for the future if you're an advisor, what sort of things you want to be looking out for? Who's going first, me or Dave? I don't <laughs> mind. <laughs> if, I, if it's a tumbleweed moment, we can cut this out. Don't we? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I always spend my time on budget day in the same place. There's, a, there's about four or five of us. We all meet up and lock ourselves in a dark room on budget day. And uh, we, we listen to it. Then, uh, you know, we write a synopsis of it afterwards. And, and you know, the, it's used by quite a lot of sort of, you know, the larger companies and whatever that, that we do. And, uh, you know, rarely do we go into there and say, I reckon this is going to happen today. And it actually happens. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, 
Yeah. Is, are we at the state of play where they can actually do anything too radical when the budget comes up? Well, not really, because we, we know what the game plan is going to have to be. It's going to have to be to try and work out how we pay back the situation that we found ourselves in now. And it's a, you know, it's a situation that no one can help. You know, it's a, you know we, we're in it. We've, we've helped out. You know, I, I think you know, Rishi Sunak has actually you know, done a, a pretty good job of what, of what he's done so far to try and get us to where we are. Um, how we pay it back is interesting. But there's only certain ways that you can pay back um, you know, a lot of a lot of income that we need to come in, and it, and it is by raising taxes in some way, shape, or form. You know, mm. so the CGT is a fault without a doubt. Um, inheritance tax. It'll be interesting to see if if they move the inheritance tax because we're we're as we said we're coming to the end now of the residence nil rate band, aren't we? You mm. know, that's that's at its highest, and then it'll just start going up by inflation from then on. So, you know, yes, they could make another change with inheritance tax. They certainly, if anything, though, their aim would always be to simplify that rather than add something else in. Because ever since they bought in the residence nil rate band, everyone, including the government, has said, you know, this is probably a little bit more complicated than we wanted. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I know when we was dealing with it at my last business, which which you was you was there at the same time, John, oh, when we yeah. were together. <laughs> Um, and we had a direct line to the Chancellor's um, sort of, uh, the, it was the, the Chancellor's information office there, where we would be phoning them every day saying, that rule you've just made, what about this? What, what, when that happens? Well, and, and it became so complex, it was a problem. So simplification of the nil rate ban uh, in some way, shape or form wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but, you know, uh, apart from that, I'm, I'm at a little bit of a loss as to where they can go without doing something that's very, very, very long-term. That's what it's got to be. Uh, a lot of people are saying that they might hit pensions, you know, so, uh, you know, the uh, certainly the annual allowance and the lifetime allowance and things of that kind, you know, will they make some changes to that? You know, once again, remotely possible, but, but who knows? Yeah, revenue's got to come from somewhere, I think. That's the... Absolutely. The, yeah. yeah. I, I think they'll be fighting their election pledges regarding increasing tax but you know who'd have thought it you know they're, they're still trying to maintain their election manifesto based on the fact that they've gone through the, the, this particular pandemic so you have to you know whatever your politics and you know whether you're a fan or not and we're not you know we're not trying to get one way one side or another but actually i don't think anybody would have wanted to have tried to maintain their manifesto pledges based on what's gone on in the recent in recent months so that it, you know, you've got to give them some credit to at least try and stick to it. So that's something. The they, phrase is unprecedented times, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and that's the phrase that's been used a lot. And, and it is just that. It's unprecedented yeah. times. And uh, it's going to cause for, you know, some, some unprecedented measures. And I think we've, we're going to be working out it for quite a few years. Definitely. Dave, you got any thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, one thing uh, Martin said about, you know, trying to predict the, predict the budgets, it, it's... I think an LIBF point, just a plea, is please in your exams put in Philip Tetlock, because um, Philip Tetlock was the guy who did the 30 years of research on predicting and and basically proved you can't. So I think so. So in the context of that, in, in the context of that, um, what could you do? Do you know what, what I would love? I'm just going to say what I would like rather than I think what, I would, what has happened. I would love pensions to be properly simplified. You, you can imagine 
in a socially distanced pub in London. I'm hoping that the Chancellor standing next or nearby a guy who works for the HMRC and he said, oh, what do you do for the HMRC? And he said, I do the annual allowance calculator on the HMRC website. <laughs> <laughs> because you think about it. The empty, of course, Dave. Is that... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every time, you know, what can I do to make your job simpler? And they go and say, well, you know, well, as long as you can promise me another job, I can transfer and be a fireman or something, but let me get rid of this. Because I, I think what, what every time they've so-called simplified pensions, we, we've left, what we've done is created layers of complaint. We've got mezzanine pensions legislation. It, it's, mm. it's an absolute blinking, well, it's a something's muddle. So I, th I think I, I, I think that wouldn't that be great to simplify it? But of course, the great danger of simplifying pensions is is the loss of pension tax relief. Mm. Um, but then again, you know, if it was just a giant ISA that we didn't get tax relief on the way in, but we, you know, didn't get taxed on the way out, that would be wonderful. Uh, and if you could wave a magic wand and just get rid of all the rest of the stuff, so you've just got pots of money, and it's pots of money. For me, that would be brilliant. What, what I'm hearing is, and I don't know if this is the alternative investment market talking it up, they're trying to talk up a 30% relief on EIS and VCTs. Mm. And what I can see, you can see there's a sales angle there, which is you're on your lifetime allowance, you've used up all your 40,000 contributions, you can't do anything else. Why don't you recycle your tax-free cash into an EIS, get 60% tax relief? So you get me? So, so mm -hmm. you, you can see that for, for some people, you know, a tiny fraction of society, it might be appropriate advice, but you mm -hmm. can see what the, the pull is going to be uh, mm -hmm. if, if they do increase that. Because they've got to get the economy working again and we've got to start, you know, fuel these entrepreneurs. I was going to say that feels very entrepreneurial to me, and uh, but exactly right for this style of government. Um, so I think you, you you probably hit the nail on the head with that one, Dave. Yeah, I think there's that. I mean, it, it's what, what unprecedented times again. What what else can you do? I mean, we're accumulating debt like never seen before. I mean, this is, uh, as I understand it, this is Keynesian policy, uh, policy, which is you know create debt to get yourself out of trouble, and mm. you know it's, it's worked in the past. Um, should work in the future. What do we do about this high levels of debt? You can't inflate it totally out because inflation levels are low and we don't necessarily want really high levels of inflation. Somehow it's going to be paid back. Mm. Um, but the hard bit is it's all right paying it back when everybody's doing all right with, with spare cash. But when, you know, there's going to be large chunks of society struggling, it's a tough one. All you can do is hit those people who are well off. The other thing I think just one last one I think needs clarifying or sorting is that band of people who earn between 100 and 25,000? You know, what is that about? You know, great pension tax relief for them, 60% tax relief. But, but what, I just don't understand it. You know, it's just like they, they've created it and they, they, they play la-la time at each budget and just ignore it. You know, let's just have some clear tax bands that make sense. Makes complete sense to me. Fabulous, guys. Thank you for that. Right. So before we go, just one thing, one last thing to ask of you, uh, non-related to this podcast whatsoever. But over the last three months, you guys have obviously been missing something. I'm just chucking this out. I'm not prepared you for this question at all. So be, do, do forgive me. But um, last three months you've done, you've obviously had to sacrifice an awful lot 
is there something in the next month before the next podcast recording that you're going to be doing that you haven't done for a number of months? What, and if it is, what, what is it? This is going to sound quite sad, actually. <laughs> for me, it will be going down the gym. I've missed the gym. Yeah, I know I don't look like the figure that goes down the gym. <laughs> it's the company, really. I just talk to the people. <laughs> yeah. For me, it is it's going down the gym. I've got a gym in my garage, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've used it for the first week, and I said uh, I'm going to carry on doing this, but but I haven't. You know, and I think it's very difficult to motivate yourself, isn't it, for that yeah. sort of stuff. But for me, it's. Uh, it's definitely, definitely the gym, but it's going to be interesting to see how they get gyms working again. Funny enough, I mean, funny enough, that was mine anyway. I was going to bring that up, but yeah, face mask in the gym or whatever it is. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, but the one for me, if they can get the pool open, because they've got an outdoor pool where I go to the gym, but the gym's not open itself. So as soon as that's open, the outdoor pool will be open. I'm going for a swim. That's the, that was de- that is definitely my. And I'm not a big swimmer. I'm not really very good at it, but it's just so nice to have a swim. You know what I mean? So, Dave, what's yours? What about you? Well, what, what I was just thinking about is one mile away from here is a village called Coton in the Elms, which is Britain's most landlocked place. And I, you know, this is, this is ironic, isn't it? I love standing on the beach, just taking in the atmosphere and the sea and hearing mm-hmm. the waves. And, God, I can't even remember the last time I was there and a lot of my family in Anglesey, so I'd love to go to Anglesey. And, you know, most of Wales is, Wales is very much locked down, particularly Anglesey, because, you know, they're a certain chicken factory there that lots of problems. So oh, yes. I, I would love, I'd love to go to Anglesey or anywhere, really, stand on the beach, and, and that would be lovely. I'd love that. I can't, I, you know, it sounds idyllic. I think we've all got... To... It, we're, we're slowly coming back to our own abnormal normal so that's good to know <laughs> guys thank you very very much so um i absolutely had a fantastic time recording this one so thank you so much for your time today um we'll do this again in a couple of weeks time so thank you for listening everybody so this is uh uh martin saying goodbye so martin yeah, goodbye everyone thanks for listening uh mr owen signing off yeah, thank you. Thanks, everybody. And once again, thank you to Christian. And uh, from me, John Somerville from the LIBS, thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. Uh, and a big thank you to Christian as well. So thanks, everybody. Speak to you again soon. Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to more, then always consider subscribing on your chosen podcast platform. And to stay in the conversation, follow us on our social channels. All the links are in the description. <laughs>